0: Um, this is Abe And I just want to let you guys know That we have a store And uh, you can buy t-shirts uh, You can buy Mike's got this Rap album Rap tracks there. Yeah he's working on it You got rap
1: tracks You got some uh, audio books mm-hmm. On there And we're adding more all the time All a la carte Yeah and we just felt like Aside from me just tweeting We should just mention it on a podcast so people Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can check out the Small Beans merch store. Please do. We put a lot of work into it and there's a lot of talented artists who did as well at Mm -hmm. smallbeans.bigcartel.com. And at the same time, you know, we're patronizing us on Patreon.com/smallbeans always really helps us out. Even if it's just a dollar a month, it's a big help. And if you can't uh, scrape up any cash and you don't want any T-shirts or wraps blasted at you, we would love a five-star review on iTunes. Yeah. So if you're a Small Beans fan and you'd like to support us, these are the ways in which to do that. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Hello, hello! Welcome. I'm Michael. I'm Abe, and this is another episode of Rough Tales from the Cohen Brothers Pit, x tree x you are we're frading the frames of things. Joel and Ethan Cohen. Yeah, we are the Cohen Brothers. Brothers, pop culture petri dish. All <laughs> <Yeah>, right, <laughs> I think that's all of them. Sorry yeah. if I forgot you. Did you get rough our stuff own in there? podcasts? I said Rough Tales from the Cohen oh, Brothers Pit. Oh, Rough Tales.
0: Yeah, uh, and <sighs> Living with Michael. I don't live with you anymore. We, yeah, we sleep in a pile <laughs> <We sleep laughs> in, in a, a pile. dog bed. It's pretty insufferable at times. It's like the uh, joke up. that no, nah, it's, it's lovable. It. <laughs> I fucking love it, but it's it's like uh, the joke that we keep making about like having email threads with comedians where they one-ups each other with jokes. Every, One-upsmanship fuck.
1: is the one I forgot.
0: <laughs> that
1: wasn't a joke.
0: Well, where do we go from here?
1: Where do we go from here? Which Talking one is this one? About the Cohen Brothers. Brothers Lady yeah, Killers. Okay. The years two thousand two. Starring Tom Hanks and Irma P. Hall.
0: But don't forget JK Simmons.
1: You clearly don't know what song I was singing, which I is don't my know what it was. Um uh, Alan Parsons project. But oh. uh 2002. Little Lady Killers, widely considered the weakest Coen Brothers by people generally, is that fair to say? It? I um, yeah, okay, <laughs> I'll say it. Starring Tom Hanks uh, and Irma P. Hall, as I said, also Marlon Wayans, J.K. Simmons, and Stephen Root, because you cannot have a Southern movie without Stephen Root <laughs> popping by to go, "No, sir. howdy, everybody!" <laughs> not not my shot. movie. Yeah, exactly. He is a national treasure getting back to your steven roots uh and in a nutshell it's the story of a heist but i also want to point out that it's a remake of a screwball comedy from much earlier starring sir alec guinness obi-wan himself um, which is widely regarded as a masterpiece and i think one of the reasons this movie took a lot of flack from critics in part is for some reason i read this in uh, reviews and articles. I went back and researched articles when Lady Killers was coming out before it came out, like the buzz leading up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many critics were like, This is, uh, you know, uh, the original Lady Killers is sacrosanct. You cannot.
0: like Untouchable. This is, this yeah. is like
1: remaking Untouchables <laughs> the or Untouchables, Casablanca. Yeah. And uh, I saw the old Lady Killers.
0: Yeah.
1: Personally, I think we honor the dead and like we get, we laud history. Like, I think Tom Hanks, here's what I'm getting at. I think Tom Hanks is just as interesting and compelling in this role as Alec mm-hmm. Guinness was in the original. I think the movie is somewhat underrated because mm-hmm. critics had a chip on their shoulders going in. And indeed, let's jump into the spectra. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's. I think there's a lot to talk about with this film. I'm interested to know what you think it says on a deeper level, because I think Lady Killers only says, I'm sorry, Intolerable Cruelty only says love is good. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the Lady Killer says anything at all. Uh, uh, sin gets punished, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a little but bit. They're both pretty basic. Uh, there's <laughs> a despair about uh, how we are cruel to each other, to use that word again. Right. Uh and the sadness and depression that it causes and the inevitable, you know, like, you're fucked up. It's intolerable. It's intolerable.
1: Um, All right, so on this show, we always analyze the film through three spectra, diegesis, pedagogy, and, uh, how do you do that? Diegesis is where we talk about what happens in the movie, which is fairly simple in this case, because, as you said, Abe, the movie's sort of a comedic romp, like intolerable cruelty in many ways, Mm -hmm. at least in that regard. And so... It's all about the texture of it. Not a ton happens. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna do the the quickest nutshell we've ever done, and then I agree. You, you gauge how much we should unpack it. No, but I in g- one sentence. Yes, right. Uh, in a religious southern town, a smooth talking con man played by Tom Hanks enlists a group of local like scumbags and roustabouts to perform a heist on a riverboat casino by tunneling through a wall. And to tunnel through the wall, they have to rent a space from a nice old lady who lives in the town and is like an old widow. And it's a comedy of errors where they're trying to dig the tunnel and not get caught by the old lady. Cause she obviously wouldn't approve. And all the way up until act one and two, it's just shenanigans Act three, they start to do the heist and through further shenanigans one by one, they all die All of them. In a Looney Tunes type fashion where the old widow is left to keep all the money they heisted.
0: Is it a million and a half or something like that? Three million, I think. I have it written later. Yeah, yeah. Not
1: know that it's bad money. Like you know, like a Looney Tunes, the person who is pure of heart mm-hmm. the whole time mm-hmm. gets all the money, and all the villains are just mysteriously disappear. But we know they died one at a time through happenstance. And
0: I, and my favorite part of that is that last scene where she's like, "What should I do with this money?" When she goes to the police sheriff, the local yeah. sheriff,
1: because they are looking for the money. And Obviously, they've been the heist ar- happened. They
0: were there only at the first scene. And another scene at the midpoint, right. uh, they're only represented loosely. So the law is like there in this movie, but it's not around. <laughs> Does God's that make law sense? is much
1: more around exactly. than man's law. And but the three B joke with the sheriffs is just because she's honestly reporting what's happening at her house. She increasingly sounds insane because the events are so transparently yeah. wacky. So the sheriff obviously begins to think she has dementia. So when she says, "I want to turn in the two million dollars," mm-hmm. They go, she go, they go, why would you have it? And she tells the whole plot of the movie. Yeah. And they go, you know what? Just keep it. Just do whatever you want. And then they laugh at each other. Because they assume she's just nuts. Yeah. Look at old moon. So in probably I would argue you got true grit, you got no country. I would still argue in the bleakest darkest ending of any Cohen brothers film there's the money all gets donated to a christian college yeah which is to me is very sad personally
0: that's the type of sorrow that i'm talking about michael <laughs> but
1: she's very happy about it
0: she loves it um, and i'm not just shitting she, on christianity she's like dancing on her way home Bob like
1: jones university because is she, highly problematic but you
0: know that she it's because not she got the go-ahead it's that she believes that this is God's plan, and God has ordained her this money right? via random happenstance. I'm sure she's not. And so she feels yeah. high with God. I'm and sure she's not to God.
1: unhappy that her name will be in the magazine forever. Because mm. she mentioned, she's like, you know, donors get their name in every issue of the Bob Jones magazine.
0: Mm-hmm. I think she's pleased all around. Yeah. Um I think it's 1.6 million we'll get to it and it doesn't matter. Well, I mean that's what this is. It doesn't matter. It's money. I said oh, looking over my notes, life. I also
1: want to note that the original had Peter Sellers who I actually Oh yeah, I mean, he's dearer to my bosom even yeah. than Alec Guinness. Yeah. Um yeah, is there so is there anything to unpack other than their cover story and how they each die? Because Uh, I think I
0: like let's do a little round up the
1: dead. You know, I think we should round up the dead. And we'll suffice to say that in pedagogy, because pedagogy is where we break down more granularly the scenes. What was the technique, the rhetorical devices that we felt worked didn't work? This is just trying to be a comedy. Well, I want to compare it to I want to ask us both to compare it to Raising Arizona at the top of pedagogy. That's
0: the. Yeah,
1: because there's very interesting comparisons there. But I'll just say that like Raising Arizona, what's good about this movie are the jokes because it's just a platter of jokes and lines and moments. Mm. So I think we'll unpack stuff more in pedagogy, um, whereas Die Jesus, <laughs> really all that happens is, uh, yeah, let's say who the members of the gang are and then how they each die. Uh, so the members are Tom Hanks.
0: Is Goldthwaite Higginson door PhD?
1: Oh yeah, I wanted. I made a note to just read the character names. So let's. They're do that so now.
0: good. Good. I. I think they're no. They're overwrought purposely. It's the apex
1: of Coen Brothers self indulgence because the Coen Brothers yes. are both very self indulgent because they forge whatever path they want, but they are sub- I feel they make themselves subject to the project and the art. No, it's and they're um, highly collaborative. This is the fudge brownie of
0: the Coen this Brothers. This is where they it's jump just name too rich. Chart. It's too rich. This is
1: where if Cody Johnston turned into script with these names, I'd be like, <laughs> "D Cody at one notch. Come on, we're trying to run a business. We're
0: all adults here." <laughs> Good reference to people who also know Cody. <laughs> yeah, what he wrote. Yeah. yeah.
1: So what? So you said
0: what? What is Tom Hanks' full
1: name? <laughs> Uh
0: Goldthwaite Higginson door PhD, which Professor Goldthwaite Higginson. Professor. Uh, what I love about that is it that means his acronyms are uh, GHD PhD. <laughs> yeah.
1: Marva Munson's the nice old lady, the widow. Yeah. Uh Marlon Wayans is a guy who Basically, Gawain. Gawain McSam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm also going to say who they are in the gang. Yeah. This is uh, as simple as you can make it. He says he posted an ad in the newspaper for people interested in doing a bank heist. Right. And these are the people in the town who <laughs> to responded. And he just arrived. He's just like, yeah, I'm down. So What do I do? Get a job. Yeah, Sure. Marlon is Gawain, who got a janitorial job at the casino so he could scope out the joint. J.K. Simmons is take it (laughs) garth pancake yep the least threatening of all the sith lords garth pancake (laughs) Party on Gawain, party on Garth Pancake. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the best. And he's an odd character that it's fun to see JK Simmons get to play.
0: Right. So this is Whiplash. Everyone knows JK Simmons, right? Right. He's usually a hard ass. This guy's yeah. not a hard ass. He's Spider-Man. You go get those photos or whatever. <laughs> I don't, don't remember Spider-Man. JJ huh? Jameson.
1: What? The character is JJ Jameson. It's J.K. Simmons as J.J. Jameson. Oh, is that true? I never knew. Give his me name. photos of Spider-Man. Yeah, That's J.J. Yeah. Jameson. Yeah. Oh, so J.K. is J.J. Yes. Right, got it. You got it. It's real. So you have to incorporate it into your Damn worldview. Damn I don't want to know this kind <laughs> yeah. of
0: information.
1: Um, but here we are. Yeah. And he's like, uh, in this, he's a nature loving
0: old hippie demolitions expert
1: who was like a jack of all trades on set animal wrangler and demolitions expert. Yeah. Uh, who has failed. And because he's we're failed, introduced
0: by the way, with a Bruce Campbell cameo as the guy from the ASPCA on set. Yeah. Who's like American Humane. He of. doesn't
1: have a line. He just looks him as if, as if to say, you just killed that dog. You're right. fired. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, um, but yeah, he's yeah. failed financially, so he gets in on the heist and he figures he can use his demolitions expertise he learned on film
0: sets to help to with blow the heist. through into the casino vault. Uh, so, functionally, he's like. He's
1: they the all have a expert, certain purpose. Right.
0: They all have a very specific purpose. Right, Marlon Wayans is the except undercover man, for, the inside man. Except for Tom Hanks, who is just he's kind of. He's the mastermind. He's the mastermind. He's the man. But with he the just plan. sits around like. He just, he's just like, a, he's basically making like a plantation. Like, or is a cheerleader? I mean, he looks like, yeah. he looks like Colonel Sanders, right? Yeah. And he's always leaning back on chairs and drinking like the mint juleps and stuff <laughs> right, like that. Right, right, right. He's like, getting people to do the high school. Yeah, he's him. doing, yeah, he's the mastermind, yeah. but another way of Although saying. Although they
1: do expect a cut. We're everyone gets a cut. That's saying it's a That's slavery true. analog. It's not unclean. one-to-one. But since you bring it up, I was saving it for pedagogy, but I'll mention it now and maybe we'll touch on it again later. I'm sure we will when we bring up particular lines. But something I noticed in this watch through is another attribute of Garth Pancake that I actually think is pretty insightful for 2002 to put in a film Mm -hmm. is he's the completely condescending... Uh, white yes. quote non-racist who is constantly right. lecturing black people about yeah. why they're racist up to the in, point like, low-key ways he up does to the point digs. of a
0: black man h- holding a gun at him and yelling at him like shut the fuck up and him know? being
1: like see this exemplifies see, the problem uh, with yeah, black culture. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He's, I yeah. just want peace.
0: I have always I've never <laughs> raised my voice I've never raised my voice in my hatred
1: <laughs> um, and he has his wife with him as his constant assistant. Another wacky name. Mountain Girl. Mountain Girl.
0: Which is a strange choice, but I don't know if that's from the original or anything. I don't recall. I don't think so.
1: Actor Zima plays someone known simply as the general.
0: You forgot, although, about J.K. Simmons, that he has irritable bowel syndrome. I didn't forget. I chose to overlook it. Ryan Hurst plays one of the better names. Lump Hudson. God, Lump is... I. Lump is so good. Lump is my favorite. Just like it's like, um, it's like someone wrote a great screenplay, and then like just Jackson Pollock, a character, just said like, yeah, and also the muscle, but like. He's got to be like what? I don't know. Well, just dumb. like a single dash it's of just dumb joke. red, you know, just yeah. like a color, you know, just like a random. Oh, yeah. He's barely in it. He's barely in it. And he always serves the same joke, but it's a good joke. <laughs> right.
1: Which is the Homer Simpson joke. Yeah. I am dumb. Yeah. That's yeah. all. Uh, the aforementioned Sheriff Weiner, which I think is also probably intentional, uh, is George Wallace john mcconnell who i don't know off the top of my head is the deputy are we out of good names oh i like that there's uh steven root mr gudge fernand gudge and there's also big mac and his son we mac (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> a and like mac. a wee little mac <laughs> like a tiny mac, tiny mac. and uh Walter K. Jordan plays Elron, one letter away from the magical elf Elrond <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is your cast of neer wells we explain the gang there's the mastermind the demolitions expert his wife the muscle the, general. the inside man and the general, who's Sima, who we get this strong, strong, strong implication without it ever being stated explicitly, was a he's, general for the Viet Cong.
0: Right. And so he is the one who apparently knows, knows where tunnels. to put the tunnels. He also yeah. knows how or to... Or f- the, the bombs.
1: And how to build tunnels, keep them from collapsing. Yeah. He's the tunneling expert. So, also, he's also the muscle because he can destroy anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he uh,
0: has one of the greatest, in my opinion like sight gags of a character in recent note the with a cigarette? cigarette. Yeah.
1: All right, well let's dive into pedagogy sure. and start with the cigarette. Describe he does it three times. I he know. does
0: it three times. Uh this actor is able and I assume I assume it's some element of post, but I think it's actually just like prop work i thought hard about how the effect worked. how they did right, it yeah. uh but he he ha- he has the ability to be smoking it kind of like in the same way that it's like you smoke it like a hardened kind of uh like kung fu hustle has the smoking lady yes uh or the the uh, she owns the the place so they smoke out of like the side of their mouth and it's very rigid.
1: They just ignore the cigarette while
0: they're doing yeah. other thing. Yeah, and then yeah. this actor is able to take his tongue and essentially take the entire cigarette and place it in his mouth and bring it back or they reverse footage. But I'm pretty sure he's able to but do both. But there's one where it's a one shot uh, where he holds where it, it in his entirely mouth and then takes in it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And it's, of course, because he's not allowed to smoke in the house. So yes. it's
0: whenever... Uh, Marva yeah, spots him smoking. Marva sees him. It's like, is someone smoking it's Insane. Which just builds you up tension, the tension. It I wouldn't... Guess. Anyway. Yeah, no.
1: You'd, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's wacky cartoon logic where... Yeah. It's Elmer Fudd. They can sneak right by her with a dead body, yeah. dismembered dead body, and she is cooking so she doesn't notice. Whatever. Like
0: every Coen Brothers, it's a little bit of a cartoon.
1: Yes. Lots of the farce involves the cat getting out, getting captured, and getting out again. <laughs> Things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to bring up Preston Sturgis for this film. I thought so too. Uh, and I think it's important to re highlight that the Coen's well, first of all, in the making of aspect, uh, where is it? Okay, I have, the, I have the quote right here. Just so it's on the table, and I think this is a reason people feel free to take shots at this movie. In the abstract, said Joel Cohen, we never would have said let's remake The Lady Killers or let's remake anything really. Mm. Ethan continues his brother's thought by saying, this is from some interview I found, we wrote it for Barry Sonnenfeld, who is going to direct then end of quote, but just description. When Sonnenfeld, the Cohen's former cinematographer, now a director of his own, bowed out, the brothers felt obliged to step in, but they admit there were moments of indecision where they were forced to think about casting. As we wrote it, Ethan says, we didn't do our usual thing of thinking of actors who might do specific parts uh, until Hanks finally popped into their heads and then they built it out from there. So they say that it was like slammed together more than like let's most be of their work. Something like Fargo. Yeah. They're like, you could tell they preciously guarded the idea since it was a seed until it was a thing. <clears throat> this is a collaborative effort in the studio system, mm-hmm. like Lady Killers was, mm-hmm. to take a movie and do their Cohen thing and make it a Cohen movie and bring it under the Cohen umbrella. Yeah. And you could argue it suffers for that. And I think you could argue that it suffers because the Cohen brothers, for all their strengths,
0: are not the funniest people in the world No, they, they have a great sense of humor they're funny it's bizarre uh,
1: because some of their movies like are they the are funniest joke, movies ever made they're
0: joke matrix you know like they aren't gotten to the point where they just can churn the comedian's toil of thought they
1: would be their jokes or would be more at home in a pixar film as well because right. they are human nature jokes that yeah. are so insightful Always that they universal. are hilarious look I'm not saying that Big Lebowski and Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou aren't some of the funniest movies ever, but it's on the backs of the strength of the performance because and the dialect, but the jokes are always so simple in a way that harkens back to classic comedy. So like in Oh, Brother, the joke will be, don't seek the treasure. We thought you was a toad. Don't seek the treasure. That wouldn't even fly in a cracked writing room because they'd be like, that's like an old-fashioned joke. It's too simple. What the guy's dumb. Yeah, yeah but if John Taturo does it through his teeth, it's the funniest fucking thing you ever saw.
0: Yeah. well,
1: I would argue that in Lady Killers, there is more weight put on. Hey, Cohen Brothers, write funny dialogue jokes. Yeah, and they're not necessarily
0: as I good as Shane Black at that. I <laughs> once again, uh, and or I or Preston Sturges. I'm getting here. Uh, th- I'm getting here from like I'm. T- I I didn't realize about this show and doing these podcasts that I would find a very distinctive narrative by chronologically watching Cohen Brothers films. Mm-hmm. But there's something that's very clearly coming to like clarity for me after watching this one in particular because I had the same realization like twice before. And then this third one, I was like, no, that's clearly what they're doing. it's It's no longer a line. It's a trajectory. And the trajectory is uh, like I think they think when they were doing Oh Brother, and Big Lebowski, that was the best work that they ever did. And this is once again me editorializing. I they probably would disagree with me were they in their room right now. But I think that they're now being thrown like the keys to the kingdom. And like you can make fucking anything you want. And they aren't stutter stepping, they're still nailing it. It's just they're like they feel a little blasted by the demand for more Coen Brothers type movies. Yeah. Because they're so th- that's just a testament to their artistry. That's a testament to the their ability to so change the format and create something new and fresh and brand like and old at the same time. And that unique blend that is the Cohen B- uh, Brothers' spirit. They are being asked to do that all the time now, uh, and, and they feel like they're running out of ideas, maybe or something yeah. like that. So they're going back to classics, which is to me, you're going to get nothing but appreciation for that gesture. Because but I, it is
1: niche to film, but it is. Yes. And when you go for comedy, comedy is such the art of the present. It doesn't translate. Yeah. That I think like Hudsucker Proxy, you can swoon and sigh and smile and giggle, but it's not like watching a a good episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia where you laugh out loud. Yeah. But 10 years from now, people will be laughing at something new and Always Sunny will feel tame somehow. Yeah. You don't believe it, but it will.
0: out of time in a luxurious way. That said... (laughs) They, just
1: like with the names, I think coming off of Intolerable Cruelty, I do agree with your trajectory theory, and I think a detail of it might have been, you know, one of the reasons Intolerable Cruelty didn't feel like us enough, we didn't make it our own enough with the dialect. Mm -hmm. We're so dialect-based. This movie, everyone talks in an extremely specific dialect that is specific to them and them alone. Yeah. And they write it to the hilt. Like, obviously Tom Hanks is the professor over the top verbosity, Mm -hmm. but also, and I do think this is for bears discussion. Mm -hmm. They're writing Marlon Wayans and his friends in like gangster dialect, like Mm -hmm. Southern gangster dialect. And they're writing Marva Munson as old fashioned church widow dialect, which is very specific. Like, Lump is one-word dialect. Yeah. CMA doesn't talk. So I just thought they were like, wacky names and dialect. Let's get back to our roots. Which is also funny because with your trajectory theory, if you purchased our amazing Coen Brothers shirt art by Michael <laughs> Vincent Bramley, available for now at smallbeans.bigcartel.com, hey. um, the Clothing Brothers brothers, you would know the next one is No Country for Old Men. And it's an interesting... I wonder if in their minds, this, this pair of films is where they flirted with almost letting themselves be polluted by the traditional production system right? and then reacted again by backing away from And said, you know what, no, No, Fargo, baby, Fargo. Because after that, they do go back to writing scripts in isolation and have nothing to do with major studios and refusing to rewrite or work on anyone else's thing Mm. for a long time to come. And it's interesting that No Country's kind of a bridging one because it's still an adaptation, Mm -hmm. but uh, by the author, uh, Cormac McCarthy's admission, he didn't like... yeah. Influenced their script. They just and did it.
0: <laughs> I also just want to add, just because it's relevant, that exact point that you're making. If you want any more, uh, there's a better journalist than us. Uh, go to Elvis Mitchell's The Treatment podcast. Uh, he has interviews with great uh, directors, and he uh, asks really good questions. Yeah. Um, and he has one on the Cohn Brothers, and they kind of they're they're particularly elusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time if you don't know anything about how uh, the Coen brothers interact in terms of like there's a whole like dynamic that they have cultured and it's kind of like the thank you speech in the oscars
1: i think we said our everything we wanted to say the first time yeah, yeah
0: <laughs> that's yeah. their style yeah exactly <laughs> i think the one that i'm talking about is the palm d'Or, mm-hmm. which they broke that uh they broke that contest no no, I. They got the grand prize for like film, like the best picture, and also the best director and the best screenplay. Right. And no one had ever done that before. And they made a rule after that. This was like nine. Yeah, this was Fargo. Uh, Term limits. They yeah. You, know. you can't. You can't get a hat trick. You have to mm-hmm. do two at most. They were like everyone settled it down for? about movies. What movie was it for? <laughs> that was for Fargo. Fargo. Okay. But I just love that. Insider bullshit where it's just like everyone just calm the fuck down about <laughs> mm. one movie this yeah. year, okay, guys? We get it <laughs> anyway. That's what I th- that's it sounds like we have the same theory on how the Coen brothers,
1: yeah, I think so, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but bringing Preston Sturgis back up briefly, I think we've discussed before how about this film and Hudsucker, uh, one of the critic a lot of the critics say it has this distant feeling mm-hmm. and I will say this is the one where I feel it most, and I think to compare it to Raising Arizona, which is the other one that feels the most like a Looney Tune, like this. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to get at is, I think this has similarities to Preston Sturgis in that Preston Sturgis films also feel distant, mainly because people are speaking so quickly. I mean, you think we're talking quickly now. <laughs> people are speaking so quickly that you know they're acting in Preston Sturgis films. It's one of his trademarks. right? And that gives you a kind of distance where it's like listening to a mammoth play and just watching a play, but you know it's a play, but it's such a good play. Uh, I do think Lady Killers feels like that. And I am wondering why Raising Arizona gets away with it. And I'm wondering if it's just the addition of babies and that their goal is is a lovey-dovey goal. They want a baby? Is that... Why does Raising Arizona feel like it has heart and Hudsucker and Lady Killers... Don't. And I actually disagree with but I know I, other people know feel exactly that way. I know exactly why. All right. Well, uh, enlighten
0: in my, well, not Just for me, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, rhythm, pacing, editing, music. It's style. It's just. Raising Arizona is immersed in style. Mm-hmm. Uh, filmically, not from. And I say filmically, not meaning cinema, like in a cinematography way. Like, mm-hmm. yes, that's true. There is. Lo- like, there's lens choices and. There's very specific things done in both films, but um, raising Arizona has, if you watch it, I mean that soundtrack is also there. It's yes. like it just feels like it, and it's it's an experience. This kind of goes the normal liet motif of plays, where it just kind of plays the events as they happen. It's more
1: transparent, but I would argue Hudsucker totally has a distinctive style. Lady Killers yeah. is the most transparent of the three.
0: I think all of them still are the within the art of montage.
1: But I think Hudsucker does have heart that you feel towards the end.
0: I agree. I think that's because your likable character... You know uh, what? And, you you yeah, like to you like true. the ending to be an up as opposed to Lady Killers, which is a grave.
1: At least the bad people died. Yeah, is the happy ending. Comedy and tragedy. Also, what's the
0: difference? One ends in a funeral. Right. And one ends in a wedding. I would right?
1: argue. Well, Marva is rewarded for her uh, goodness you don't that doesn't make her likable like you're rooting for her because you don't spend enough time with her for her she's a not likable enough old lady but it's not like where from hudsucker proxy the whole thing is wrapped around you're rooting for this guy and he's right. starting at the bottom this is more like a play where it's a ensemble piece you see all the people about the same amount of time and even the good character is not really involved in the action. So they're not the protagonist. So it has this, yeah, I can see it. Okay, so I'm starting to see why. But I would argue, watching it the first time, and I feel the same way about Hail Caesar. I think they have a lot in common.
0: Another The transparent lack
1: of style there and lack of heart did make me finally agree with critics that yeah, it feels kind of sterile. And I think that's why people mm-hmm. don't like it. And when I watched it expecting Fargo or Hudsucker, you mm-hmm. know, one or the other of their genres um, in theaters, I was disappointed. Watching it again for this podcast, I think it's underrated. I
0: agree. Because
1: there are still jokes, and I want to start getting to them now, <laughs> that you're like, I had such high expectations that I didn't allow myself to laugh at that. But that's a fucking good joke. A, Fuck me. I was yeah, It's good.
0: Line it up in any other fucking movie and you're like yes. it's all joke. And if you
1: like Tom Hanks in anything, why would you not want to see this once right. to see this performance because he does bring so is much. Is it to
0: the it. most comedic performance? As a character actor by Tom Hanks ever
1: right yes because he's seen Joe versus the volcano splash Burbs,
0: right but he's always Tom Straight Hanks man. the
1: likable protagonist big yeah this is really the one time we get to see Tom Hanks obviously like in the terminal it's has comedic elements and, and he's, he's playing got a thick accent yeah but no but this is Tom Hanks getting his Jim Carrey moment. every ebb
0: and flow of his <laughs> mannerisms and his like physique is changed by this. Character. Yes. He is a and it largely in, becomes a yeah. vehicle for He's him. Foghorn and Leghorn. <laughs> him
1: and Irma's performances. Yeah. Uh, although interesting to note, Hanks also didn't originally want to do the movie. I, I, uh, he said, if someone had said to me, listen, I'm sending you a script that's a remake of the Lady Killers that Disney is going to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just no way. And he said it's in, I think it's interesting he said because of both aspects. Mm-hmm. So he also shies away. He's like, Disney is too corporate or remember
0: whatever. Remember we did uh the frame rate on the burbs, and remember this Hasn't is been released, This was the yeah. man who was like, I don't I'm worried about having a kid Yeah in this movie. He cares about his image. He cared about his image very and brand particularly. Yeah. Uh,
1: he says I probably would never have even read it, but it was sent to me with the Cohen brothers' name on top.
0: And you're like so Something. I read it to see
1: what it was like, and I will say the character's wonderfully Cohen-esque, yet at the same time, it had a very clear story, a caper, and as a selfish actor, I said, do they actually want me, the Cohen brothers? And So that was it. So there's mm. an aspect of mm. flattery where even he's like, I didn't even think it was Saving Private Ryan, but I want, you know, the Cohen brothers! Hey. It's gonna be so fun to do!
0: Gavagoo! <laughs> and so
1: if you go in knowing that, it, it, you can see Tom Hanks having a ball, man. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I've got, uh, yeah, yeah, well, when they rob the, one of the problems with the caper is when they get the money out, the tunnel collapses uh, before they can get the money out, or there's like evidence left behind, and Hank says (laughs) a whole long monologue, but I'm going to read the part that I think is most like, so take Frasier, the show (laughs) Frasier, to me that's, People of moderate intelligence who have a thesaurus on the desk where they write, writing smart characters. Or I'm being not generous enough, and maybe they're incredibly intelligent Mm -hmm. and widely read, but they're dumbing it down for the sake of it being a broad sitcom. Either way, this is what actual people who are extremely intelligent, well-read writers writing intelligent dialogue sounds like because it gets so intelligent like deadwood does sometimes it's, it's where you can't even tell what he's saying sometimes yeah. Yeah. what the fuck was that <laughs> yeah so which this, is why i love gwayne because Gwen is like gwayne says what the fuck was that yeah that yeah mean? like yeah. He,
0: that's his utility in this like gang of scoundrels. But I think it's
1: interesting to note that writing dialogue for Marlon Wayans is equally an act of fanciful dialect writing for two white dudes from the Midwest as writing for Tom Hanks' character is. Um, So he says uh, of the vault having evidence in it, I need not remind you that the conundrum of the undisturbed yet inviolable vault, the money vanished as if by ghosts, is of the utmost import. The riddle of a sacrosanct and yet violated sanctum adds not only an intellectual satisfaction to the caper, but is exigent as a matter of practical fact, meaning we'll also get arrested. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> and that was like i pride myself on a great vocabulary but i had to remember i'm like exigent that's right exigent. that's a word <laughs> that a, is a word yeah
0: that's an sat one right there <laughs> yeah. uh, I love, but i love that so that's that's once again that high and low kind of balance that the Cohen's he's saying so well. oh shit we're gonna get arrested <laughs> yeah, exactly it's just, <laughs> it's just a guy scared for his life a little bit but he yeah. took that long to say it
1: when uh when she miss munson finally catches them and because it's a farcical comedy the explosion has just blasted all the money so there's like a money tornado in the basement when she walks in right you know because it's got to be as red-handed as possible
0: (laughs) it's got to be looney tins
1: she's i love their uh back and forth she says why professor i am surprised and he says well to be fair madam we are surprised. You are taken aback. Although I do admit the usage which you intend is gaining more credible, more credibility through widespread use. <laughs> like he's doing a grammar yeah, thing Yeah, I instead. love that. I love that. <laughs> you are taken aback. Um, <laughs> I imply. You infer. Uh, yeah. So there's 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 great jokes all throughout that really make me laugh. And I think, I, think I came my... into it with a harshness that I didn't need to have. I
0: think my favorite joke this time around. Uh, is another doorline, which is you, madam, are addressing a man who is, in fact, quiet and yet not quiet. If I may offer you a riddle, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like, the, oh my God, from the get go, he's just a snake oil salesman. He's selling nothing, and he's chewing the scenery like, like he Ace says van. it's a riddle. It's not a riddle. Right. You're not. A, you are not quiet. But
1: also, I do like that. Notably, the things he discusses are accurate. Like he's, uh this character often would spout inaccuracies, but it's clear that, and it gives like a nice touch, an interesting feeling that this guy really was truly a smart professor and this is his fallen from grace period right. of his life. Because like when he describes, well, the gas actually expands in a room thusly, it's accurate.
0: If you know what he's talking about, it's true. He doesn't get anything wrong. He's just right. a blowhard. I do love it when he's put under stress though. He keeps that veneer intact, but he is all over the place like uh the waffle hut
1: like oh my god did you have you all down?
0: decided did you, I, I wrote that down okay, if you I want to do too. you're a better performer than that
1: can, I, can I go do it? it please i was looking forward to saying this line which is like if you haven't seen this because you heard it suck can you hear the delight in our voices it's worth watching <laughs> yeah uh i gotta run a quick find for the word waffles hey guys michael and abe here Like as if we never left, Yeah. to tell you once again about our partnership with Mubi, M-U-B-I.com, which is basically the Criterion Collection of streaming services, rather than having a million movies for you to argue about and scroll through for 45 minutes. They curate 30 amazing films at a time, adding a new film every day, and users can stream them or download them to their desktops. Right now they're running great movies like uh, Black Magic, an old Orson Welles thriller I highly recommend. They've got The Cove on there right now, which is uh, Academy Award winner for Best Documentary Feature. If you want to really feel bad about how we treat dolphins, I recommend The Cove. Pie is on there, of course, the Darren Aronofsky classic, black and white, paranoia thriller. Uh, And Little Odessa is currently on there, a great James Gray movie I highly recommend with Tim Roth. And man, scrolling through, they just got... An endless supply of movies, many of which you probably either have only heard the title of, um, but the point is it's highly curated, so you can go in knowing it's really going to be one of the best films from around the world.
0: Mm. Uh, so
1: yeah, try Movie.
0: And uh, hey, Michael, uh, the, did you hear about that no. uh, if you go to moviecom slash brothers, you get an extended trial?
1: Yeah, of course I heard about it. Yeah. We both know it's, what we're it's doing. It's a discount
0: for... people who just type that in how would i not have heard about it i don't know how you have gone your
1: entire life without knowing this so show your support for movie and for the show by going to movie.com slash brothers for your extended free trial thank you thank you Uh, (laughs) okay got it they're at the waffle hut having their meeting to plan the caper and she (laughs) the lady comes up and it's already you're like Waffle Hut doesn't seem like the kind of place where a guy who (laughs) thinks of himself this way would call the meeting, but he did, (laughs) because he's poor. Um, Y'all decided yet? Ma'am, yes, we must have waffles. We must have waffles and think. Each man
0: must think to the best of his ability. (laughs) yeah amazing I also like I also he, earlier though he does say madam we must have waffles we must have all uh, have waffles forthwith <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah it's so delightful when he's strained because he's tr- he's trying to keep that up
1: yes and at the same meeting I think it's one of the best uses of okay so zima is one of my favorite silent characters yeah in a movie. Yeah. I think he's, the judicious use of a comedic character Harold Lloyd, right? who's only going to say two things mm-hmm. and do five things yeah. is so perfect. And this is one of them because Tom Hanks is high status to everyone and respects no one else's opinion. Mm. But this is the first time Z Ma speaks in the film and it becomes clear. Oh, he highly respects <laughs> Z <Ma's. laughs> yeah. Because in the same thing, they, Pancake says... Well, we've run into a setback on the tunneling front as well, I'm afraid. A very large rock. Oh, is that a big deal? And he looks at Zima and Zima says, rock. Very bad, very bad, and he goes, "Oh my, <laughs> like, oh my!" If if worried, he says, "It's yeah. very bad. That means we're fucked." Uh, Asla pancakes recurring dialect bit is. Then he says, "No, no, it's no problem. We'll just blow a hole in her, blow right through it. Easiest thing in the world." <laughs> so he constantly says, "Easiest thing in the world," right before he's going to fuck up horribly, yeah, <laughs> like kill a dog yeah, or blow he his He also hand off. tries
0: to betray the entire group. Is a plot point that we left out, but that's fine. Uh, well, at yeah, one point, Him and Mountain Girl try to take all the money.
1: Which is why c kills him. Which is
0: start... Isn't the start of, like, the death spiral? I mean, that's the beginning of the movie. But it is when we start counting the bodies, really, now.
1: All right, we forgot to do it in Diegesis, but let's hop back and do the death spiral. So the heist actually goes off successfully, meaning that Marlon Wayans successfully clears the room. It's The money seems to have vanished Mm -hmm. as if by magic. But... There are two fuck-ups. One is that Marva sees the money and Tom Hanks has to go upstairs and make excuses. And the other is that uh, previously, while they were working on The Rock, what's his name? Pancake. <laughs> yeah. Pancake blew his thumb off. And now he thinks he deserves an extra cut because he blew his thumb off. And everyone's like, no, you blew your own thumb off because you're bad at your job. You don't deserve right. an extra cut. So he and Mountain have secretly made plans to steal the money in the confusion. She's waiting down the street with a van. Um, the very first thing that happens is this rising like white knight complex that he has, he literally like lectures Marlon Wayans about. Do you know what the freedom writers are, son? I wrote, and he's like, But you're racist because you treat me like shit. And his argument is I can't be racist. I stood with Martin Luther King at the yeah in Washington, DC when you were just a baby. Yeah, but he also acts racist toward him. Yeah, exactly. So they get in a fight. Um especially because they're all fighting over who's going to kill Marva because Marva knows everything and has said she wants them to either return the money or they're going to go to jail, which, which has,
0: I, I just, no want- one's
1: willing to kill her cause they're all too soft.
0: I, I just want to point out it has mm. one of the best lines, uh, the, you were mentioning the general's other line that he has. Uh Dor says, I shudder, I quake, you sir, are a Buddhist. Is there not a middle way when they're discussing whether or like not to, to kill like To
1: not her? kill her and not go to and, jail? And the yeah.
0: general goes, hmm, must float like a leaf on the river of life and kill old lady. <laughs> <laughs> yes, great line. Yeah.
1: Especially when that character hasn't talked for the last forty minutes. Yeah, he has like
0: three lines in yeah. the movie.
1: Must float like a leaf but on the yeah, river of anyway, life. Anyway, continue. And kill old lady. <laughs> So, if I'm recalling the death spiral correctly, and it happens very quickly once it starts unfolding, um, in the scuffle, Garth Pancake accidentally shoots Gawain. Gawain dies. Yep. They sneak the body out of the house in a garbage bag and dump it over a bridge, which they return to frequently in the movie, onto a garbage barge that passes underneath at the same time Mm. every night on its way to Garbage Island. Yeah. And we'll get into the symbolism next. Of course. Because it's pedagogy. Yeah. And it is the one... And it's cool. The one symbolic through line is Garbage They're all and Garbage I like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so then they go back to the house. Uh, Tom Hanks has convinced her loosely that they're going to distribute the money to charity. And they're really like Robin Hoods. And she's religious anyway and anti-gambling. So she's kind of on the fence about it. So maybe they won't have to kill her. But then in the midst of all this confusion they realize, where's Garth Pancake? He's walking slowly down the road with <laughs> all the money in it. his hand. And as Abe said, and this is another reason I left the movie really disappointed, and I do think it's a flub. If... I don't know why. It's gotta be the way it's used, because I love poop jokes, but I think poop jokes have to be sophisticated to actually be funny. Uh-huh. To, Garth Pancake has IBS, Yeah, and there are a lot of scenes where it's just, isn't it funny that He's making funny faces yeah, and shit Sin noises.
0: Whiplash man is going, oh god, and it's going, and
1: it, <laughs> yeah, it's he's pooping. And to me, no, it's so not funny. It actually obscures how the movie is fairly funny. Otherwise, it's one of the worst bits. Yeah, but the payoff of it is good, and That's I know you the, want to describe. Yeah,
0: that. because uh, yeah, so we were having we were talking before, and you mentioned you're like, oh, I thought that moment happened, and I realized that. I read it a different way like I witnessed the events differently and I'm pretty sure they intended it my way but I think they maybe out of lack of clarity or something like that uh, it's not readable to everyone which is that when the general comes up they send Sima to kill him because yeah, they realize
1: he's betrayed them.
0: Uh, and he he comes up behind like as he's literally carrying the money JK Simmons About to
1: put it in the about trunk. About
0: to put it in the trunk. Mountain Girl is there. In the car, Driver in the seat. van. Yeah. And uh, as he opens the door, he's already had uh, like a few attacks of IBS or whatever. And uh, But when he gets to the door, there's a shot that cuts from Mountain Girl going like, all right, come on, come on, come on. And then it, it cuts to him, and he's making that face again where it's like he's oh, pained he's shitting and his shitting pants. his pants <laughs> for the third time. But then it's revealed that uh, the method of the general's killing is always to take out a... Like wire, can wire, can wire, I think it's and called choke a garrot. Yeah, that he has like attached to his wrist or something like that. Yeah, uh, and then he chokes you out, and then you die. But
1: since it's a thin wire, and you're absolutely right, it's and intentional. You can't I just see missed it, it. it
0: because he's doing. He's they're doing a joke where they're like, jaw. "Shitting looks yeah. like a deaf face." It yeah. just looks like a line of fat, you know, right, right, on right. an older man. You know? So they kill
1: Mountain Girl as well. They dump them off the bridge. There's another visual joke where. You see both of their legs and feet hanging out of their body bags, and mm. they're identical. You can't tell who's they're who. They're both very hairy. They yeah. both have thick, hairy calves and boots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, drop them on Garbage Island. Head back. Wait, who's... So now it's three. Oh, they say now it's Zima. Kill the old lady. Because yes. she's said, I'm going to turn you in in the morning, but I'm going to sleep on it. Which is, that's how naive and innocent yep. she is. She doesn't fear for her life in any way. Mm-hmm. She goes to bed. Zima's death is a straight-up classic, like, coincidences unfolded in it's, just such a way. Yeah, it's like Chaplin. It's yeah. wonderful. Or Looney it, uh, yeah.
0: It's It harkens back to the, we talked about Raising Arizona, mm-hmm. the stealing the baby. Right. Uh, it's shot in the same way, uh, because it's like, it's very, every every angle is very wide angle, which gives you the feeling of, like, everything is pronounced, uh, because things are literally closer to camera. Yeah. Uh, and it makes you feel like uh, you're really in this w- weird nebulous area that filmmaking doesn't go. It's like cartoony. Right. Uh, but they pull it off, and uh, and they have the whole sequence with the dentures. Well, it's and, very well yeah. set
1: up. So it's Zima for the final time he will ever do it, is doing his cigarette trick because he wouldn't give up his smoke. Right. But he knows to the not smoke wake will wake her up. So he has the cigarette inside his mouth with his lips closed. And... Right when he's going to kill her... By the way, they originally try to kill her by shooting through a pillow, which is bullshit, as we covered on Cracked many right, times. Right. So it doesn't work. Um, but he's going to garret her like he does. But a cuckoo clock goes off because it's the stroke of midnight. That startles him. He gasps, inhales his cigarette, so his throat is burning. So he grabs a glass of water he sees on the nightstand and drinks it in one gulp. But it's the glass she keeps her dentures in, so he like starts choking to death... Hacks up the dentures, which land back in the glass so that when she wakes up, she doesn't even notice. She's none the wiser. And that makes him reel backwards and fall down the stairs and break his neck. Yep, so body number four. So now they throw Zima on the trash pile, and the only people left are Tom Hanks and Lump.
0: <laughs> and Lump... Has a change of heart.
1: Lump, basically, his he's payoff is... He's the football
0: is, muscle guy. The whole time, yeah. he's
1: called Tom Hanks' coach yeah. and does whatever he says and doesn't seem to have thoughts. Uh-huh. But then this one time... He goes like, uh, all right, Lump, you'll have to kill her. And he goes like, I've been thinking about the metaphysics of morality. And yeah. I don't think it's right for us to take the life of a woman, advanced in age, though she may be. Like he basically eloquently says yeah. moral rightness. Right. And Tom Hanks goes, then you're fired. I'll keep all the money. I'll kill her myself. And Lump goes, I can't let you do that. And raises a gun. So Lump's actually going to become a good guy right now. Yeah. And I forget, I know it's a mishap.
0: How does Lump die? Uh, lump dies by he fires once and no, it doesn't go off. So, like the chamber in the revolver. Oh, that's cheap. Yeah, it's really cheap. For Cohen's, that's cheap. It's and the old, it didn't he go looks off. He it it, it looks down the barrel and shoots himself. Okay. So it's it literally is I feel like they could have thought of something fresher. I, right? I think it's they're they're trying to anti check off gun us but I just but it's 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 a right around.
1: Literally thing. an intolerable cruelty. They came up with a good twist on this. Oh, paperwork? <laughs> no, no, the guy <laughs> confusing it with his inhaler. Oh yeah. It, yeah that's
0: yeah. fresh. Yeah, that's fresher. This is Elmer Fudd looking down the gun because yeah. Dug- anyway, he's dumb the funny bit about it I think that's, is that that's the line in the sand that we're drawing as comedians when we look at and, the Coen brothers and right. say that they're not Their funny comedy could it's be not fresher. judgmental it's just like they are funny it's just that we're saying that's not the strongest iteration of a joke this is
1: weird to say but it's not state of the art comedy comedy yeah. moves up with the current day right. and becomes more advanced whereas drama tends to stay the same
0: uh, yeah I think it's I personally think it's more about the deeper level of the joke, like where it hits home. It doesn't stick the landing because it's just like, oh, I get it. It's just like a poop joke, like you said. Well,
1: I might care about freshness too much, which might be an obstacle in I our mean, career. Is it, <laughs> if you're constantly
0: worrying about freshness. and comedy. I like
1: jokes to be jokes I've never thought of or heard before, which is why Arrested Development yeah, gets it for me. Because they're doing structural games and they're like pushing themselves yeah. to think of new ones hard.
0: Yeah, and if I was right, we would have an Arrested Development 2 where now that's the trope of comedy that we really struggle for mm-hmm. is themic-based. No, it was not successful jokes. enough
1: to drive a paradigm no. shift. But anyway, the funny thing I think about Lump's death is he shoots himself in the face and like very obligingly, because he's always been easy to work with, Falls over the bridge directly into the garbage barge with no one having to do anything. <laughs> right. He just takes care of it himself. So Tom Hanks is the last one left,
0: and you know he, how says he dies, that, right? That,
1: that pitiful old woman is a more formidable bull antagonist than I had previously imagined.
0: <laughs> because <laughs> you all killed yourselves, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just because she was there. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: another thing that I think is a great, speaking of pedagogy, very effective nod to a blowhard is right. his favorite poet is Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. And I love Edgar Allan Poe. He right. is a great poet. But that's the kind of favorite poet, a dumb guy pretending to be smart right. picks as his favorite poet. It's like my favorite band is the Beatles. Like, it's not a that, great I was pick. just going to
0: mention, like, you ever been in an emo band? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So he does, like, full Poe recitations and think yeah. Poe, thinks Poe's super deep. Uh-huh. So fittingly, a raven <laughs> perches a bus to bust... Uh, perches upon a bust of palace just above him in the bridge work. Of, wait, on a gargoyle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was making a Ed Ground Pose the Raven reference. There,
0: well, I'm not as smart as you. <laughs> as he overlooks
1: the Plutonian shore. And he basically talks about, he literally tells himself how great he is. I think he says, like, I should have known it would always come to this. Like, the chaff rises right. above the stalk. <laughs> right. You know, it's how it must be. And I take the money and ride off into the sunset. <laughs> The raven makes the gargoyle's head snap off. It conks him in the head. And I love this. That's not what kills him. That makes him fall off the edge of the bridge and then... His stupid, ridiculous, ostentatious cape that he insists on wearing gets hooked
0: on an aspect of the bridge <laughs> and hangs him to death. Yeah, yeah. and that and that's kind of how. And then, of course, then there's the then it, where Of course, it's, it
1: rips. His body falls. Yeah, to the barge, and he, he as well he has is taking a, a garbage island. Yeah,
0: they're all. They're, they've all, and even uh, Mr. Pickles, which is a plant earlier, the cat, Marva's cat, who's took J.K. Simmons when J.K. Simmons' finger blew drops off. it as well. So it's like to all. All the things that you were, every piece of you, every part of your body is going to Trash Island, just to make that clear. Yes, because he drops the the cat drops the finger on the barge as well.
1: And I noticed this time. I think that's their one symbolic work in this movie is that through line, because the preacher also describes heaven and hell in Mm -hmm. the church scene. And he describes hell as an island where you will... He says, and you'll be alone as if on an island in your own filth, scrabbling in the garbage and the muck. So, garbage island is hell. This is a world where God definitely exists. Marva is right. Her dead husband, Otho, really watches over her. Like, the Coens accept these things. It's Mm. a morality play. Mm. Therefore, natural forces like cats and birds can enforce God's will. Yeah. And basically, the only symbolic meaning is... Yeah, at the end of the cartoon, all the assholes
0: go to hell. Uh, I think there's one level deeper. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so it's exactly in that beginning, uh, the pastor's uh, sermon. Right, exactly we see one speech. sermon in a movie. Because he specifically is talking about uh, false gods, and he mentions the golden calf.
1: Oh, so mine. And then
0: in the same breath mention, mentions Trash Island, which was, will be the home of all the dirt yeah. uh, that was made from digging the tunnel. In order to pull off the caper, so there's an there's a it's a zipper to the midpoint. This movie it zips up. It, uh, what it does is it uh, it every moment, everything that they touch, everything that they are a part of, uh, and it influence in the movie is both done and undone. Meaning they everything he touches down to the photos, like the the. The portrait changing and stuff like that, like in Judgment, that's the real God, right? S- speaking through. And didn't
1: you think when he said, "Not a
0: false god like money"?
1: Didn't you think when he set the candle on the mantelpiece during his recital, right. it was meant to make us think, "Oh no, he's going to burn the portrait of Otho," and then you realize, "No, the portrait of Otho can't be burned because he was a righteous man." Right? <laughs> like God is in this world. Marva's right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, so. What it's trying to say with the Trash Island is very much what you're saying. It's obviously... But even
1: further, you're right. Also, the fruits of their labor, like you said, to be clear to the audience, the dirt that's displaced when they dig the tunnel, they also dispose of by putting it on Trash Island. Everything literally
0: about them in the movie arrives and then goes to Trash Island.
1: To the point where there's no evidence they were ever there. Mm Mm-hmm. The only person who knows they ever existed really is Marva. She tells one, two people mm-hmm. and they don't believe her. So it's like it never happened.
0: Except for, Except for the fact that God got
1: his money. So that's like, a beautiful it's, thing. It's because a movie it's, about God heisting money from a
0: casino. Exactly. <laughs> Here's the thing is that the false God that I assume that the sermon is talking about is the snake oil salesman idea the the wealth that they're trying to attain? Mm-hmm. That is a false god. Money is a false god. Right, the golden The calf. statement, and we all go, okay, okay, and then the benefit at the end of the movie is obscene wealth, but she does but give it, it to Bob to Jones University, which is another chestnut because it's another like. It would be funny to add a scene. You know, at the know end. that they don't agree. Or they're subscribe aggressive to evangelical. Yeah.
1: I would call it like they're. They and the Coens portray it as if she is kind of getting taken advantage of in her old age to give all her money to the church. Um, But yeah, it just makes me want to see at the end of this where you pan to heaven and God is like, "I got that sweet payout. (laughs) Like I just wanted that money to go to my college." (laughs) Um, uh, Let's see. I also want to note the thing that we haven't mentioned about their cover story, which is when he comes in, they bond over the fact that they both hate hip hop. And Hank says, no, 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 you misunderstand. I'm renting the root cellar from you because I play with a small band and we play devotional music, a a church music. And she goes like, oh, the gospels? And he goes like, not really, but he fudges it (laughs) because what he says they are is like a Renaissance 14th century band that plays on old instruments. Also leading to one of Lump's better lines when Marva comes in and says, I know you're all robbers. This is all the jig is up and then leaves. <laughs> There's a long, s- and she goes, Oh, and I want you all to play as a band for all my mm-hmm. church friends to prove that you're really a band. Cause I'm suspicious. Mm-hmm. And she leaves and everyone looks at each other knowing they're all fucked, but Lump is a step behind. So he says, coach, I don't play the sack, but <laughs> which is a 14th century instrument.
0: Yeah. Um, all, all made by the way on period correct. The like the they actually went to the work of doing it. As always, the Cohens are going to do yeah. everything right. It's it's like a noted thing. They had one guy who made old instruments make like the baroque style music right. that they're playing. Crumhorn. What shit. they would have played it at that time on uh, like a avatar of it or like a version of it. Yeah. And but he I, actually spells it out in the movie. He says, that's, I forget what they're called, but he's like, that's what he is. Yeah, it's the,
1: broke 14th century chamber music or yeah, something like that.
0: Th- they're players. And that, that particular specific. one, he, he calls it by yeah. its correct name.
1: And I do think, uh, it's important to note. I think you were right when you were talking about the score for Hudsucker and raising, raising Arizona, yeah. because Hudsucker has the big heart swelling string score that is akin to yep. the Capra stuff. And, uh, just by chance in some regard, Carter Burwell composed maybe the most like mysteriously weirdly moving piece of score ever yeah. made for Raising, for raising Arizona, Arizona way uh, out ooh. there. Yeah. It's just such a great like it ooh. affects you emotionally. This is a super well curated score of great Delta Blues. Yeah. And they did everything right where the sackbutt's really a sackbutt and the crumb horn's really a crumb horn. <laughs> right? But there's no standout piece of score. That's another reason it doesn't, it doesn't transcend. It doesn't have a theme. It doesn't have a theme that you go, oh
0: yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that theme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think that might be a statement upon itself, but I might just be doing my, you know. S- college level just digging that my mind always does, but I don't actually have a point. <laughs> sure. Uh-uh. Cause I was trying to think of ways in which how this is a themeless movie, but there is a theme. Uh, the theme happens to be a nihilistic one, but, uh, sin and get totally destroyed, sin and get totally <laughs> yeah. destroyed or you do good works. And she doesn't even do good works, but she's just like, she receives Irma Hall receives all this money. Yeah for j- not seeing the obvious, but she's not bad in any way. She's a wholesome, wonderful woman,
1: but she's not like actively good either. She just hangs out. She just hangs out <laughs> yeah.
0: and she just gets money. Cause these guys are so, so there is a yeah. kind of ledger based system, like in all Coen brothers movies. Right. Well, I guess maybe not no country, uh, but there's a ledger in terms of, you know, you good deeds and your bad deeds and it's the good place, you know, yes, like that's true. Yeah. Uh, this one doesn't seem to have one, is all I'm pointing out.
1: Yeah. Uh, more good dialogue. After he loses his finger, Garth Pancake wants an extra chair, extra share. And he goes like, well, if this were a real job, I'd have workman's compensation, right? Mm-hmm. Hank says, my good sir, we are engaged in criminal pursuits. Governmental regulations cannot be assumed oh, yeah. in antisocial activity. But I lost a finger. And then Gawain goes, Man, we don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so I do think they make good use of bringing in people who talk like regular people right. into the movie. And then Z Ma says, No extra share. And he goes, Okay, I was really just floating it as
0: a straw pole, which he yeah. says
1: every time he asks for some bullshit. I also, I, I, I really love. Straw poll. Uh, <laughs> per-
0: uh, perhaps if you apologize to the man, mm. give him flowers, uh, perhaps a fruit basket with a card depicting a misty seascape and then scratch with a sentiment then gwayne says i ain't apologizing for that motherfucker he fired me because i'm black surely a chocolate assortment has been known to melt the heart of even the hardest misanthrope (laughs) (laughs) his answer that motherfucker ain't rolling over for no candy bar yeah
1: he's trying to tell him he can overcome the differences with his racist boss with a box of chocolates or flowers it's
0: like you're selling nothing man and i do think it's
1: interesting that also irma is racist at least one time oh, yeah yeah or prejudiced, prejudice. depending on your working definition of racism um but she says uh yeah you guys should play for the church gals and he goes like do you think that that kind of music will fit in and she goes oh sure why back in the 60s we had a jew come in he had a guitar and I have a conspiracy theory. Well, no. That was and Davis. Lewin Davis came through Mississippi and played at her church.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: yet again, got completely rejected and shamed and failed and mm-hmm. had to leave town because he was probably a prick yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah we're, we're doing our Pixar work here. <laughs> yeah, we've connected two or three of them now in a way that in, pleases me.
0: It, it pleases me, but it's all for now. Yeah. I love the, uh, at one point, because talking about, like, it doesn't matter to talk about the blamelessness of... Irma Hall's character. Because at one point, there's a line where she says, but I know your intentions was good. Mm-hmm. And then GHD PhD responds, no, they weren't. He literally <laughs> is shouting at yeah. her, we did not have good intentions. Because yeah. he's playing a facsimile of a character. like that. She buys into the myth. She is what right. like snake oil salesmen work on.
1: They also really weirdly reveal that in a one random side dialogue, that his father is was a brilliant criminal maniac who's
0: in a an right. in, in asylum for the that's, criminally insane. Uh, and I'm like, I didn't need him to have an origin story. That, <laughs> I, that's a callback to the original joke uh, from the original, like the idea that this is a remake.
1: Oh, he's supposed to be the son of Alec yeah, Guinness. I yeah. didn't even get that they're doing a Lego movie, Peter joke or whatever. He's yeah. supposed to be the son of Peter Sellers. Yeah. Sorry, I see. All right. So, I like it better than actually. I
0: just didn't scan it as a meta joke. Right, right. It's all the. What's funny to me is that they chose, uh, they doubled down on like. So the Lady killer is the original, it's like happening like at the time. It's like a modern tale of right. a few years ago, kind of believability. Right. Uh, what's hilarious to me is the, the fact that they like made a caricature of time. In this movie, like that's well, it's just like Raising Arizona. It's like yeah. weirdly modern and not modern. It's both of them. Yeah, like she walks everywhere. There's no cars in this town. Like this town has weird geographical and yet,
1: tendencies. She's complaining about Wemack blasting yeah. modern day hip hop.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like Nas and shit. And <laughs> yeah. there's a casino, but we see no one really in the casino. So Have it's hard ever, to place their everyone or who's time in period. the casino yeah. is. Stealing from the casino. There's right. no scenes where like someone throws down well, and no, bets money. I will say, and we one, just know it exists. In one there. of
1: those scenes that made me most uncomfortable, but I don't need to turn this into a social justice podcast. Sure. Yeah. But imagining the Cohens writing the scene where Gawain is just flat out catcalling that woman's ass from four feet away. Right. I was like, they're leaning into stereotypical black culture. Yeah. Um, their defense, I imagine, it's- would be that. Right, but yeah. Tom Hanks is also a stereotypical idiot. Or like everyone everyone is but, a, you know
0: Irma Hall is think, says that one time that Jew. You know, right. like so I don't know if that it I don't know the right it, answer. There's more it does, conversation. Not a, yeah.
1: I would just be remiss if I didn't bring up that I scan. Believe me. No, absolutely. I noticed that it's like some of the scenes, it's weird to think Joel and Ethan yeah. Cohen wrote that it, dialogue.
0: It also doesn't replace one stereotype by just right. adding more stereotypes. Or the fact that they the <laughs> that one black doesn't nullify the that. one
1: black man character is who they pick first to kill because they say he's most prone to like sure. he's already used to killing. Sure. Then the two white guys are the only people in the gang who don't have to kill anyone right, it's, right. It's, all this stuff is uh, worth discussing but on a different <laughs> podcast just know that we notice it uh and i and i think it's valid criticism yeah, if you I want think to it's dig valid into criticism. it that said uh other lines i like <laughs> ibs you be what that's, yeah, that's, that's asking great. and he says this but what i love is a subtle jab at the white splaining he goes yeah. IBS, my friend, I'm su- not surprised you haven't heard of it. Very obscure. People don't like to discuss it. But it's quite painful, and I'll tell you this. It affects everyone, regardless of age, gender, or race. Think about that.
0: <laughs> like, oh, right.
1: What, are you enlightened? Because
0: you <laughs> have IBS? IBS? What the fuck IBS? are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> everyone is, nobody is real. Nobody is real.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually I actually think Garth Pancake, without the fart jokes, is a great character
0: here's something that i wanted to bring up which is it's it all well now you're laughing so i gotta go with you well just because i scrolled
1: by the part where tom hanks because he loves edgar Allan poe so he's thinking cask of amontillado there's a brief moment where they're considering marva's like interested and she's like that's a tunnel i need to get a look in there and he goes Perhaps we may simply immure her, which means bury her alive in the tunnel and let her die of <laughs> exactly. thirst. Exactly. And then he goes like, no, no, no. <laughs> like he thinks better of it. There yeah. must be a more normal Oh, no, no. It's even better than that. Sorry. He says, I suppose if we work quickly, we could simply immure her. And Pancake whispers to him sure sure easiest thing in the world some chains whip up some mortar and a snow saucer mountain girl can outsource the manacles (laughs) so they're like gonna build a horrible dungeon dungeon. (laughs) and then they're like no we'll just shoot her in the head
0: (laughs) no no cooler heads prevailed in that one uh it was an almost (laughs) Sorry, it was an almost dungeon you were saying (laughs) Uh, I, i was saying uh at the it all, it's one of those things that when you start designing a, like a sequence where you want to do like a bit or a plant or a payoff or like a three beat structure, uh, you start doing something and you, and the audience notices it and they go, Oh, they're doing a thing now. Mm. And then it kind of, in this one, I'm wondering if they do that with the labored breathing that we introduce every character, uh, they it's not all of them, but it's it's enough that there's actually like some points to draw. It gives it a lot of focus with when we're doing the like assembling the team right. montage. The wheezes of the like police officers in the first scene, because mm-hmm. they're sleeping. That's how we open up. Is they're like so snoring? Sheriff, yeah, yeah, sleepy in sheriff a small town. town. Otto is how we. The dead dog is how we introduce pancake. Uh, Lumps football. Mm-hmm. Helmet. We don't even see Lump. Oh, we just know that he's a football player. Lump's introductory shot breathing. with Ryan Doyle
1: Murray yelling at him yep. is a really fun. Shot. It's, it's a really great dope. POV. Yeah.
0: The Deeks is on high. The Deeks is still. peaks. Uh, the general sticking fingers way up the guy's nose as the quit. Like yeah, there's his something about scene,
1: obscuring breath. His introductory scene is. Uh, people try to rob his donut shop. Yeah, and I do like the dialogue. Uh, we just want the money. Give us that money. Yeah. We want that donut money. Where's the donut money? <laughs> yeah. Like the addition of the word donuts. Great. Yeah, and he just general just shoves <laughs> fingers fingers up his goes, nose, and he's
0: like, "All right, well, he goes, fuck out. this
1: guy's fingers are way up my nose, way up man. my nose. And he man. goes,
0: <laughs> get your fingers out of my man's nose." <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's like three or four scenes in a row. In like when you watch the movie, yeah, that the criminals are being sm- are smothering someone or being smothered, right? Or something's happening with that, and then the idea that the only one the only one who's the odd man out now who doesn't get that treatment is Tom Hanks, who is full of hot air. Like I don't know what I'm. I'm like conflating oh, a lot of things, but I like <laughs> it's I kind of a stretch. It's a stretch. Right. It's definitely a stretch. But I'm like, that's my question. Wait a minute. Why did they build when stretch. you build? limousine yeah
1: right magazine maga hat hanks is a trump metaphor there you go
0: uh but why did they do it three times or four times in a row if they yeah because it has no purpose it's not it doesn't mean anything i don't get it so why why did they do it that way why is that like write in and let us know yeah right if you got it
1: because people have to so my think great it was like, chagrin, figured things out I never figured out and told us. And I was like, that's right. They're right. It's that. Yeah. <laughs> so continue I, to help us. Right.
0: Yeah. Because it's one of those things that I feel like the Coen brothers would always intentionally of, know. Right? what they're doing there. And I feel like that's just a mistake because it's like just circumstance that they're next. One to One nice other.
1: detail I do think is definitely intentional to cap off the garbage Island thing mm-hmm. is at one point, someone tells Hanks there'll be a special place in hell for him. And every time the garbage barge comes by, everybody goes in, it's always towing two pallets of garbage mm-hmm. and everybody falls in the first pallet. His body's only the one that goes in the second. Just literally, there's a special separate ring of hell. Like, if you imagine Garbage Island, that garbage is going to get sorted into an even worse part for him.
0: So they're going to be eviscerated, in other words. Yeah, yeah. Through some mechanism. Uh, I thought this... So this is the first... (laughs) Sorry. What? Just keep passing
1: lines, I like. Like when Marlon Wayans is trying to convince Marva Munson that their band is real, and he goes, Oh, yeah, Zima, he don't talk much. But he play. Wait, let me find it. Oh, see Ma, He don't talk much, but he goes with that sack butt like some pussy. <laughs> oh right. Tom Hanks has to be like, "Pardon him, ma'am." That's his uh, manner yeah. of rough speaking among tradesmen. She slaps Marlon Wayans at she, one point. Uh, oh, this is when she be- yeah. yeah, she smacks him a lot and yeah. says, "That's God's love, trying yeah. to show you the righteous path." Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is one brand of Christianity that a lot of old women subscribe to, smack yeah. them with your purse until they straighten up, yeah. fly right. It's,
0: uh, fits with the Southern Baptist theme.
1: Yeah. Casino's called the Bandit Queen. Is there anything there? Uh, symbolic? I don't know. Uh, All right. Uh, know. Sounds like just a good...
0: This, yeah. This is the first time that the Coen brothers uh, worked are are credited as both directing and producing. Mm. Usually it's Joel... At the director helm and Ethan in producing.
1: Hey, agree or disagree, I would argue the Waffle Hut scene actually, because of how long the fight between Gawain and Pancake becomes and mm -hmm. how unfunny it is, drags the movie down. I think the Waffle Hut is a weak scene. I think it's got some good it's just so long. That there's great jokes we can pick out. But I mean, just like I Django Unchained was tough because if you're a writer, I know a lot of people don't do this. But we sit there instinctively imagining the person writing it. And imagining Quentin Tarantino writing Django Unchained is a very different experience than if you're not thinking about Quentin Tarantino <laughs> at all. Yes. And I had the same thing in this scene where it's like Gawain's just dropping n-bombs every other word. right? And that's all well and good. Because he's black, yeah. but it's weird to think of Joel and Ethan Cohen Colin. possibly right. pitching the lines to each other out like, loud. What an organization <laughs> of yeah. rooms did this do? Did, yeah, did the
0: like that made this happen, or
1: did they go like? And then Gawain will say, you know, <laughs> you know, like, out <laughs> you <hand>. know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, there's a couple other lines I want to pull out, and then I th- I think I'm out of stuff for pedagogy. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, yeah, where me my too. mind's at. Um, he calls them, when he thinks the heist is successful, a toast to us, the merry band unbound by society's restraint. With no ignoble ambition and no small amount of bravery, we accomplished something this day. <laughs> and, and other people are like, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah good right. job. Yeah. Gentlemen, to us. Uh, there's an explosion safety lecture where Pancake blows off his finger. Right. And Hank has to explain the sound of the explosion to Marva. And says that it must have been something that the band was playing loudly or something. And he goes, But I shall check on it. Whatever subterranean appliance is implicated in this contra tem, I will see to it the way only a trained classicist could. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning he'll fix the water heater the way only a trained classicist could. Um, as you know, when he hides under the bed, as you know, we academics are inherently fond of wedging ourselves into confined spaces. <laughs>
0: yes, sometimes <laughs> she buys well-known really
1: trope. bad excuses. Yeah,
0: yeah, because he's he's a fucking he's a criminal.
1: Okay, and there's one more great Tom Hanks line that I swore I w- here it is. Okay, good, I can stop panicking about scrolling. So then, when she knows everything. He makes a final attempt, and his lie is very well composed. He says that they f- found a fossil in the basement. They're actually archaeologists. They pretended they were in a band because other archaeologists like poach on their research. They found some fossils while they were sifting soil in the wall, which is why there was a tunnel. They hit a gas main. Seema lit a cigarette. You smoked in the house. That was our one infraction. Yeah. We're sorry. That made the gas main explode why was there money flying around oh well it's the simplest thing in the world we had the uh sorry pancake has all his money and he carries it with him at all times in a briefcase because he doesn't trust the banks and mountain girl needs an operation and he was on his way to pay for it and holding it in the briefcase she goes what kind of operation and he goes oh oh you know any number of wandering eye a stigma stubsismus a general curdling of the vitreous humors so like, Rotten Gen- eyes yeah. is what
0: he's saying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Her eyes are rotten. <laughs> and uh, yeah. general curdling of the uh, curdling. Atrius humors. <laughs>
0: curdling. it's
1: <laughs> but, So it's, like, well-crafted, but... It, in his best moments, he's like Everett from Oh Brother. Right, and I think yeah. he reaches those
0: moments. I agree. No, calls Even c- more so. I think he's even more effective yeah. at
1: lying. Calls the cat like feline fundamentalist, And yeah. you're like, that's like the paterfamilias joke. It's the right. same joke. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: I think the only difference between Everett, uh, they both are trying to I- expand beyond their means. But uh, I think Everett uh, has a lot more self-esteem issues. Them. i see you know what i mean like yeah. he, he's he's doubting himself and oh no brother a little bit more mm-hmm. i don't think we have any moment of doubt we see from tom hanks right Like no, about no, no, the no. plan he's just like we sally for well
1: us. even the moment before he dies he goes yeah it's fine everyone else died i was the best anyway yeah exactly <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> i truly was the best of us of
1: by staying the least involved yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You ready to get into how do you do that? Yeah, sure. I only got, how do you do that? Hey, howdy. How do you do that? You said we needed a cue. Oh yeah. we <laughs> got Um, so this is where if Abe has anything good or has done research because he's much better at this side, he tells us about how technical things were accomplished. Although other than the fact that I could tell the bridge scenes involved green screen, uh, or like the garbage barge involves CG, right. uh, I don't know. Did you? Ha- Is there anything interesting about the crafting? Uh, or we talk about film trivia?
0: They uh, nothing really interesting. If you were t- relative to like an O brother, where they like single handedly created the new color grading spe- that now way everyone that does. We color grade yeah. films uh, in modern movies. You know, like I'm looking at you, Dark Knight. I don't. I mentioned that the instruments of the ensemble are made by one man, and uh, they're all historically correct. Danny
1: Farrington yeah credit where credit's yeah due.
0: and uh he G- ghd phd introduces the at the beginning of the film all of the instruments that they are in the the one we didn't them. name so is, that's like cool uh um, the only one we
1: didn't name according to imdb is the harp liar
0: the harpa oh and then uh uh
1: C-Ma is playing the thorbo mm-hmm. which is yeah i've never even heard that word mm-hmm. T-H-E-O-R-B-O, a Renaissance instrument. No clue. Yeah,
0: I'm not educated in Baroque instruments. Farrington
1: built it from scratch. That's cool. That's so
0: cool, though. Yeah. Well, I lo- I wish I had that money. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's a yeah. tribe called Quest. Song in this. <laughs> That's great.
1: Oh yeah, over uh, and over. It's the yeah, one hip hop song people in are listening to. El yeah. and she constantly references that line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I didn't know this. This is trivia that sheds a lot of light on how cynical and dark and ironic the Coen's are being at the end. Because I knew, I was like, something's wrong. There's Bob Jones something bad about. Like, I knew there was something bad about it. Mm. This is it. In the film, Miss Munson says that she donates monthly to Bob Jones University and in the end donates millions to Bob Jones University, citing it as a nice, good Bible college. Bob Jones University is famous for banning black students until the 1970s and literally forbade interracial dating on campus until the year 2000. Ooh. Ooh. So they are clearly taking Ooh. a shot. The end is taking a shot at Bob Jones University. That is a this fact out.
0: I did, wish I didn't know. So this
1: came out two years after they would have like heard in the news, can you believe they just stopped banning that interracial data? That is surprisingly
0: yeah. current. 2000? Yeah. Uh, in terms of like making this movie. You Considering
1: know? 2001, we're supposed to be transcending our yeah. species and being space babies. So
0: four years after. And the Coen yeah. brothers take on a year or two to make them movie so i guess it's not that timely but it's
1: uh tribe called quest are excellent everyone already should know that though
0: this ain't the quest podcast
1: uh pod called quest that sounds like the title of a pod that would already exist yeah Yeah. (laughs)
0: that's probably their podcast (laughs) do they do podcasts i don't know i don't follow them enough
1: uh othar his name and his likeness is an homage to otha turner also known as othar turner a famous fife Mm. and drum blues musician they obviously love Delta Blues because they featured in many oh, films. yeah. yeah.
0: I, I think it's also because they, it's something that Carter Burwell knows really well. Yeah. Uh, and that, so they're just dipping right into that. They're just like, you know, you did that for, you made Oh Brother, mm-hmm. you know, like you made all of this, even though he is, like, I, I would say very eclectic. Yeah, um, that's definitely he. He knows a lot about great musicians. Yeah, in the Delta blues, like the Sun Houses and and they the enlist T Bone Burnett sometimes. Yeah, T Bone Burnett works with them. Yeah, and they both are really good at that, and so I think that they just trust that. Plus, what's up with Southern slang in their movies? They just love it. Yeah, and I don't I, think I, it means anything. It. I think they just. Love I think it. they're
1: enamored of dialect, any dialect, and Americana. Yeah. And that's why Fargo, like Minnesotan dialect yeah. is an authentic American dialect. And they are like, we gotta do something with it. And yeah. they feel that way about the Texas accent, the Southern accent. Mm-hmm. They love American accents and yeah. dialect. Um last one for me is uh and this is I I'm surprised I didn't mention it in pedagogy, but you're totally right about the timelessness. The most jarring moment to me in the whole movie, which is just mentioned here in the trivia section is that Gawain tells a story without saying the name John or Lorena Bobbitt. But when Garth blows his fingers off, Gawain tells the whole story. But there was that dude on the news who got his dick cut off and she threw it in the field and they reattached it. Can't we reattach it? When that happened, I was like, what the fuck year is this? Or don't mention stuff that's so rooted in time. It was really jarring to be like, what time is this? You're mentioning John
0: and Lorena Bobbitt? That's weird. Right. Yeah. That was jarring to me. But well, I mean, Tribe Called Quest that that came day out in was the nineties, ninety
1: four, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Something. But uh, yeah. It's uh, I don't think they care. You know, I think no. That uh, Left
1: my Segundo Segundo's nineteen ninety. Yeah. And John Bobbitt got his dick cut off in nineteen ninety three. He also did two porno films, Uncut and Frankenpenis. Penis. So that about rounds out the episode. I
0: think, I think I mentioned that on another podcast. There was a
1: sitcom where they mentioned it, maybe Silicon yeah. Valley, or where it, someone does a whole riff about... I've seen it. It still mm. works. I mean, you can see where like the stitches yeah. are, but it works.
0: Uh, the last only thing that I just want to remind, I, I want to do this more on these types of podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, the budget for Lady Killers is $35 million, so... Uh, what deserves to live more? You mean six, six lady these. killers or six lady killers versus one Marvel movie.
1: Depends if it's into the spider verse.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I fucking love that one. So good.
1: Should we uh, yeah, that's it.
0: That's it. <laughs> okay, bye. bye.